Alan Waters with us. And Alan, as many of you, maybe all of you, tuned in uh, Monday night. Or I understand also that it was played again last night, early, earlier. Um, Alan was on the George Nuri Coast to Coast uh, program for three hours on Monday night. And I stayed up. For, well, it was two to five. And uh, hey, even when it was over, I was totally wide awake. And to me, it, it was the most beautiful, wonderful. Uh, like I said last Wednesday night, it seems like a miracle for him to have had the opportunity to reach so many people with the information that only Alan Watt can share in Alan Watt's way. And so, therefore, uh, <laughs> that was pretty cool, Alan. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, this people only get our five minutes in, uh, of fame. Well, uh, actually, uh, to me, it was magnificent. You know, there was nothing really. I don't know if there was anything you said that we haven't, uh, you know, that our listeners haven't heard and that we haven't discussed. But I was sitting there listening, and I was trying to listen from the the, the, the viewpoint, if you would, of a person who uh, this stuff wasn't so familiar. Yes. And it, it was the way that it flowed. It was the way that you presented it. It's another classic, as I can see. Yeah, well, the response has been awfully good. And uh, I think there's still 19,000 on the website today. Oh, my. Just looking into it, yeah. That is just, that's fabulous. Well, I've heard from some people also, uh, you know, having, you had mentioned Sweet Liberty, and, of course, there's a link at your website, and, and I had a few emails uh, from some of the listeners. And uh, a friend called because she was listening to George Nuri and heard, heard you mention my name. We haven't talked for about five years. Oh, yeah. And it was pretty cool. But um, the the uh, George Nuri, of course, we know that Coast to Coast is syndicated on, I guess, almost 500 AM stations. Yeah. And we know that the media is controlled, and we know that everybody that is on coast to coast is not a credible uh, person uh, but I heard him and I, I thought he asked you some really excellent questions yeah. and these were questions that he asked in response to something he said not like oh here's a question laid out you know to ask yeah. and I think that at least what I heard it was getting through to him because I heard him sigh a couple of really long, deep sighs, Alan. Yes. Did you hear that? Uh, yeah, I think what's happening now, and I think I said it on the show too, that um, everyone has this feeling of expectation that something's coming down. And everyone in the, the, the business of media or entertainment, it's all mixed together now. It's so interwoven in media and entertainment. Even your your local six o'clock news has half Hollywood and, and and movies and so on. So entertainment, uh, fiction and non-fiction have become so in, tightly interwoven that it's difficult for the average person and even those involved in in the media to actually tell the difference at times. Uh, they're living in half fantasy and so they ignore the nasty realities that they see in the corner of their vision coming their way and, and I think some of them are starting to see that uh, they can't keep going on in this direction and deny, deny, deny and, and just simply go off into the fantasy side of things because what's happening now is so real <coughs> so vitally important for everyone and everyone to come uh, that, that people have to be aware of what's going on and to change direction because there's only one direction we're heading in and it's, it's a nasty ending for, for most people. Uh, Alan? Yeah? I had a couple or three emails that were saying, you know, if this is all true, what are we supposed to do? Is there anything we can do about it? Yeah. And um, I, you know, did send back some of my own comments, but how, would you please respond to that? Because we may even have new listeners tonight. 
uh, from, you know, the George Norrie broadcast, would you respond to that question that maybe lots and lots of people have? They, they have to do, and it's very difficult at this stage of the game, but people have to do a crash course and reality check here. Uh, because if they don't, uh, and I don't mean going off and chasing space aliens or or, or or reptilian people and all this stuff that's put out to distract you into the fantasy again till nothing's real. Um, I mean, a crash course on what's been happening in the world for at least the last hundred years, that's all they have to really go on. They can go much further back if they want to and see all of the treaties that have been carefully step by step uh, signed into by every country in the planet except those who are under attack now in the Middle East and that's the reason they're being attacked uh, to bring the world into this unification process uh, who was behind it initially the NGOs that are funded to push it and uh, a lot of these NGO groups are ex-politicians non-government um, organizations and bureaucrats that are actually employed by big um, uh, foundations like the Rockefeller Foundation these are the guys who are really pushing this agenda forward and last year for instance when they signed the Unification in America's deal that's a year ago in March um, at Waco, Texas um, uh, that's a good example of how this was done because that week uh, twice that week before the signing the CFR came out as an official organization for the first time to declare a broadcast to the nation. Uh, now, before we've had the occasional one member of the CFR as an advisor to people, but here they are with a, as a panel with the CFR board behind them saying that we have to unite the Americas to compete with Europe and China. Um, so they, and, and that they were drafting a bill for the politicians to sign. So they were basically admitting they were behind uh, the this, this setting up of the unification of America, which is true. Because if you went to the history of the CFR, which is just the American branch of the Royal Institute of International Affairs, it was set up by the Cecil Road and Lord Rothschild Foundations in the late 1800s to bring world unification with three world trading blocks. So, so here we are uh, um, being guided by non-governmental organizations that are funded by multi-millionaires and we don't vote these guys in and we have no say in what they do well and, and, the, and the, fine we did. the pathetic thing is that they're these non-governmental organizations um, every single one of them and there are thousands yeah. are considered mm -hmm. by these wannabe gods yeah. that this is the voice of the people this is the their Soviet. people's parliament Alan it's the Soviet this, Soviet men um, government by council uh -huh. and this is the new world Soviet that Michael Gorbachev talked about in his last speech when he was still uh, the Prime Minister or President of the Soviet Union he made the speech which is available and he says communism isn't dying it's going off to the next stage there you go and sure enough it was it ties right into the Norman Dodge report and the Reese Commission to do with uh, the, the big foundations who said that their purpose was to merge comfortably uh, in America and the West with the Soviet Union. Alan, yeah. for our listeners on the Internet, our satellite, um, at, our, at sweetliberty.org, we have a resources section. And there's uh, recommended reading and listening and viewing. And I do not recall the name of the book, and you might, that was written by Congressman Reese, or, or he did maybe the foreword. I think he wrote the book. But maybe it doesn't matter. It was a book that was written based on all the findings of the Reese Committee back in what fifty whatever, and uh, we have that book listed. The foundations, their power and foundations, their power and influence. Thank you. That book, folks, if you're interested. Oh my God, Alan, I knew about this. Uh, you know, Congressman Reese's. But the book wasn't available at the time. Yeah. And uh, then it was reprinted. Chuck had a copy of it. And he was on his way to the airport this when he was visiting me in Illinois. Mm -hmm. And he pulled it out of his briefcase. Oh, yeah. He said he was going to read it on the plane. Mm -hmm. I was so excited to have that. I said, oh, please, you can't. I have the, the information in that book. It just tells it all without... 
any um, fancy words. And if folks, if you go to the resources section at sweetliberty.org, you'll see the book listed, and we also have the source where you can buy the book. It's probably a paperback. It's not all that expensive either. It's a research book, isn't it, Alan? Mm-hmm. And it's all documented. I mean, yes. what we're talking about here is not some harebrained uh, conspiracy theory. Uh, this is all uh, uh, factual publications put out by the big boys themselves. And, and you can find the, uh, going to the diaries uh, of uh, Cecil Rhodes uh, when he set up his foundation uh, as a front man for the, the Rothschilds and for the, the British elite um, to bring about world government. And the fastest way they found to unite the whole of Europe um, and all the little, the many little countries that, that eventually became the Soviet Union was to create communism and force one system of centralized government over them all, which standardized their culture, their bureaucracies, uh, their laws, everything. And, and that's why they created the Soviet system. Uh-huh. Yeah, and now we're in a blend, we're in a third way, which is the blending of, of fascism and communism into the third way, they call it. So that's where we are now. Yes, I have a question for you. And you brought it up tonight, and you mentioned this Monday night. Uh, when you you were, well, first the conversation I believe was talking about uh, the depopulation plans mm-hmm. that ninety percent, eighty to ninety percent of the population is supposed to be done away with because they don't need any more than that. And then you mention because I think maybe somebody had uh, asked, what do you see in the future? Yeah. And I was glad to hear you say I know what they intend, because <laughs> they haven't been successful yet. doesn't mean they're going to, but we certainly know they're on the track. Uh-huh. Uh, you mentioned, you know, in the future, these trade blocks, the three, like the Trilateral Commission. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, my question is, if there are so few people, and the only people left are really people that are left to serve the wannabe gods, mm-hmm. What are they going to do with these trade blocks? I mean... It, 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 everything is a step-by-step. Step. It's not the end. It's a step towards another part of an agenda. Okay, what's the next part? But well, see, the I, next part, they, they won't need people in the traditional sense. They're going to create... Uh, they have the capabilities now. I know, but Alan, when we talk trade blocks, we're talking commercialism here. That's for a short time. Okay, but, 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 but I understood you... At least it seems the inference was that that would be after the, the majority of the population her, had already been done away with. Well, well who's... The blocks are, will, will be up uh, and running about 2010 uh, as, as three separate uh, uh, well, individual trading blocks under world government. Okay. That's their agenda. But it's only part way towards the next part, of course. That's right out of George Orwell's 1984, isn't it? This is, this is, this is, the, this is the real never-ending story. And that's what they mean when they say that man is the clay. He's infinitely malleable. Uh, he is the source material. He's the raw material. And he can keep shaping us and shaping us to the next step, to the next step. To malleable and moldable. Yeah. That's what the words and, were used and the thing in is, uh, too, Brzezinski's book. After they signed the Wake deal last March and showed it on the television uh, up here about the unification, Fortress America, etc., the integration of all security forces has been done. And, uh, and and eventually to the sharing of, of tariffs, meaning taxation. Um, after that, another reporter came on from the CFR to give the CFR spin, which is supposed to be our eventual opinion. And he says, well, we've got to unite, uh, he says, to compete with the European Union. You see how they do it? First they create one block, you see, and then they point them to, oh, gee, we can't compete with them. We've got to do the same thing to compete with them. And once we, 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 we uh, eventually amalgamate, then they'll say, well, geez, we've got to compete with China. And then you have a race to the bottom for wages. This is how it's all structured. This is deliberate planning. Uh, I know. Yeah. Um, I want to go back to the question. Mm-hmm. Besides a person, you know, doing, getting on the fast track, getting up to speed. Yeah. Uh, I think that the questions that were asked was, like, what can I do as an individual? Is there any way we can stop this, et cetera, et cetera? Uh, In other words, 
Besides knowing about it, Alan. Yeah. I think we're all being forced. They're following the old Revelations plan, which is a plan which has been used many times over. Uh, once again, Revelations is infinitely malleable. Um, and so they are going. They aren't going to be happy until every individual gives allegiance to the system. And we don't realize we're doing it all the time when we're forced to go along with another uh, ridiculous rule or law or fee or whatever it is. Uh, and we know that the registration of everybody is coming along here. They want all the heads to be numbered. I'd say we are already, wouldn't you? We are, but they also want us to officially have a little biometric card, a little ID uh -huh. card. And that's a stepping stone towards a chip implanted, and that's been that's been documented at the Loyola University World Science Meeting, sponsored by the U.S. Department of Commerce. So, so it's a step-by-step -step process. So we are acquiescing to every step. Well, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it does come down to. As individual. To try to get, yeah, but try to get in your car and drive without a license plate. Well, the thing is, you have two options. You either go the whole way here at the oblivion or start saying no now as an individual. No, but wait a minute. You drive a vehicle. You have no license plate on it. I'm not talking about licensing. I'm talking about literally taking an ID card okay. that, that I can't buy or sell with without, etc. Right. In other words, they can starve me to death if I won't comply. What, what kind of choice is that? When, when people give you no choice but theirs, you're really in trouble. And we better understand that quick. Well, I'm going to repeat something you said a long time ago. Yeah. In fact, it was when I was getting frustrated when we were in that first period of our, you know, conversations together on air. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the Federal Reserve System, but well, the money system. Yeah. In fact, I was mentioning Pepper Sausage's book, and I thought it was really cool because he was, you know, using the Constitution that no state could accept anything other than gold and silver coin in legal tender for a debt. Yeah. And so there, there, there was actually people in towns that were presenting IOUs and saying as soon as there's legal tender. And I thought that was so great. And you said, no. And I said, well, why? And you said, well, because they control the gold too. And I, I know that is so. Uh, and I want to sidetrack here for a second because there's so many people that that are pushing to go back to a gold standard. I know, I know. See, but again, with they don't all of this, you see, this starts with what they call, in, in, in modern history, is the beginning of civilization. Yeah, well, anyway... Civilization is their system. When you said no to that, I said, well... Yeah. Well, it's better than nothing, isn't it, Alan? And you said no. I said, well, why? And you said, because... You cannot get out of their system yeah. by using their system. Right. Old is their system. Mm -hmm. And then I said, frustratedly, well, then what's your solution? Yeah. You know, because if this isn't better than no anything, nothing, then you said, if enough people, yeah. when enough people understand this, it is going to, it is going to just dissolve of itself. It, it won't be easy. Because I'm telling you, people are going to suffer here. People always suffer uh, to get a breathing space in the system. And that's what I mean, a breathing space. Which generally lasts about a generation if you're lucky. Because these guys at the top have been at this intergenerationally for thousands of years. And, and, and uh, it's literally coming down to a personal choice and everyone's decision. We know and they know at the top that we can't go on like this consuming the way we're consuming. They know this. Now, these are economists at the top. They see the world as their planet and all the resources as being theirs for their offspring in the future. They think about the future. They've trained us not to. They've trained us to think you're being well managed. Just let it happen by your betters at the top, these unseen hands at the top, you see. And, and sure enough, the population, they think in the now, I live in the now, and I won't think about tomorrow. And I'll just be happy now and live day to day like that. But these guys at the top have, have looked at the resources of the planet. They look at our present consumption. And they don't intend to allow us to keep consuming at this rate. They knew it couldn't last. Yeah. 
when they when they designed the plan, yep. they knew it couldn't last. Exactly, because I've done this before. I mean, the Sahara at one time was, was a flourishing uh, subtropical climate. It was flourishing. They found all these skeletons of, of elephants and all the usual jungle animals, lions and so on, in the, under the Sahara. Uh, that was a flourishing uh, place with trees and so on. That, that was made destitute uh, in an age before this. By, by the same guys who run the system, the descend, the, the, the predecessors of the same guys who run the system. How, how did they make it desolate like that? They raped it. They raped it and raped it and raped it and used it up, burned it up. Took all the natural resources and yeah. the trees and the plants and... Yeah, the Egyptians had records of, of, of uh, ancient civilizations that had risen to high heights and pinnacles and then simply collapsed. And, and it's, un it's well understood in academic circles that when you live and what is called an advanced culture, meaning you're totally interdependent. Everyone is interdependent to live for substance, etc., in that system. Then it's the easiest system to collapse completely. How many people today could actually live on their own in, in, in the wild? Well, uh, in the wild, I don't know. Besides it, that, most of them would give up burning the all the all, you know. They're burning all the forests down anyway, Alan. But what I'm saying is that uh, we are in a system that's been carefully crafted with this present feeding frenzy of, of cheap junk from China to keep us happy as they go into the next step. And it's all done on debt. Everyone's running credit cards. And when it's time, when everything's completed, they'll just pull it. And then all these massive police forces, which are really just world armies, uh, will come and take care of it. They'll be taking care of those police guys in the military. They always do that. The Romans did it too, you know. What do you mean take care of them? Of the people who will be rioting. See, the mobs always riot. They're always unorganized when chaos occurs. Most of them never see it coming. And pandemonium breaks loose. That's what they've been carefully uh, building up inside every country in the West for... for for the last 20 odd years under amalgamated multi-jurisdictional task forces it's a massive world army to take care of the chaos that they expect to come when most of their plan has, has, has been completed they don't intend to keep us happy and, uh, and consuming like this you know <laughs> do you think by any stretch of the imagination mm -hmm. that people who are consuming and consuming and consuming Yes. Are happy, Alan? It's not a matter of happiness. Is that what I'm saying? But what I'm saying is that's what they've been trained to do. That's what they think happened. Look at every ad on TV. You've got a smiling face next to a toothbrush, to, to, to a broom, to a new car. I mean, in other words, everything that you see is supposed to make you happy. Uh, and people have been sold on that, that idea. And everybody's floundering and wondering what's wrong with their lives. Well, that's why you've got Dr. Phil's who are guaranteed a... Uh, yeah, well, you know what? You know what it comes down to to me. Uh huh. Uh, and we are talking about this right now. Uh -huh. Kind of the way I answered one of the questions that was sent to me. Mm -hmm. I said it's really up to each and every one of us as an individual what we're going to do. And the only way I said I haven't a clue to say what you should do or what anybody else should do yeah. because. Uh, if we ask and we listen, we'll be guided from within. And it always does. Like you said, it comes down to choice. And every single day and every moment of every single day, we have choices to make yeah. in within us. Every single one of us know the difference, mm -hmm. right from wrong. Yeah. And maybe it is simply to begin to do that and to take a look at ourselves and to begin to treat one another the way we want. No matter, I'm not saying do unto others the way they do unto you, but do unto others as we would have them do to us. And and the, the possibility there, at least for the individual, that the discernment comes, maybe that inner guidance comes, and whatever it is they're doing is what they're supposed to be doing. But it, exactly. it comes See, down. All been trained. This is the problem. Everyone has been trained, uh, and, and not this generation either. It's, it's been going on for an awful long time. 
every generation has been trained they don't ask questions as to why they obviously don't ask the questions this is what religion used to do you're not even supposed to question religious questions but what I'm saying is that used to be the standard statement given by churches to the commoner when you asked about the meaning of life they'd say look don't ask about first and last causes it's not your problem leave that to us just you do what you're told yeah. and that's basically how the public are trained that they're shoved into this mass conditioning system to come out uniformly and it's called the educational system uh, so they all come out with the same opinions and they think they've been uh, taught things that are true and they all give the same pat answers but they've been conditioned all to think in a certain process which is non-think really it, 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 it's a it's a dumbing down process which eliminates the natural person within and, and so they come out uniform and then the, the, the whole purpose they're told is to get them into a job and, and then the purpose from then on is, is to simply support yourself through life in this system and of course once they're in the rush of, of living uh, and caught up in this they don't have time to ponder very much at all except they do know really deep down they're not very happy I know but maybe that's why we're having this conversation yeah because you know you've said this yourself mm -hmm. that it isn't for everybody uh -huh. because the masses have always been the masses I know and it seems that it's been that way down throughout the ages there's always been a large percentage yes who seem quite content being ruled over by unseen people they don't even know their names inside. Right, because... And don't care to. Basically, they're brain dead. They're happy slaves, in a sense. They're, okay. they're, they're, even though the system they live in gives them neurosis and worry, and etc., even though that rather than just look for any other way, rather than try the unknown, they'll always take the known. Well, because they're accustomed to the chaos. Even though the known uh, is going to become a disaster. Hi, we're back. I, I was trying to watch the clock there to give us a warning and wasn't able to do it before the break. Um, are you there, Alan? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so we're talking about, okay, the masses. Uh -huh. And the way it appears to me is, like, as you've said, it's been this way down throughout the ages. Mm -hmm. And yet there's always been a few who have escaped it somehow at least well like I didn't escape it uh, I just began to wake up you know one day <laughs> like hit over the head because mm -hmm. I was there too I was um, I, w I believed everything that we were taught in history was true yeah uh, I mean I didn't believe everything in the Bible was true That I knew that but what I'm saying is uh there are people who eventually, if they haven't escaped it right from the get-go, they wake up, Alan. Mm -hmm. Okay, you remember the time we were talking? And, and, and it isn't like I'm trying to be Pollyanna here, but we have had these conversations, and I think it's worth repeating because it, it can leave people so hopeless when you look at this, and especially when it's new, this is all new, you really do feel like you've been sucked in the gut. But I remember we were talking one time, and, and, and you were talking about this, the fact that those, the ones we know of, the wannabe gods, they're actually controlled by outside whatever. Influences. They're, they're atheists. But you said that the ones that are really are very aware of the power within us and that their greatest fear is that enough people will wake up and realize that who we really are, more than just a human being here, but spiritual beings. And I asked you, how many do you think that would take? And you said, I don't think a lot. Mm -hmm. because there's not a lot of them it's a true story when you put someone uh, is standing in a massive crowd to can yell that the king has no clothes and, and the spell is broken yes and, and that's what it takes it, it takes a, a few people who have enough gumption to say oh, this is a, enough is enough 
of, of all this polite talking round diseases because it reminds me of, of, of a, a medical hospital and all the interns go round uh, with the top uh, surgeon or whoever and, and, and they stand at the bottom of a bed and round the patient's bed and they'll say that they'll, now if you have a, a big tumour right in the middle of the patient and you talk about all the secondary symptoms but you're not allowed to look and talk about that tumour that you can see there then you're never going to get to the problem and that's, that's what we hear in the media we hear these vague, vague rumours of things vague, vague statements everything's so vague to do with big changes and big treaties being signed and all this kind of stuff and we're all so polite we don't want to say wait a minute here could you explain that to me um, it's time we stop this stuff and we demand that it be explained everything be explained fully because either government is your master or it's your servant. There's no one between here. Well, I didn't know that government was our servant ever anyway. That's right. Governments were never made to be servants. That's what people are trained to really believe. Right. You vote them in and somehow they're responsible to you and that's the oldest con game in the book. Uh, even Plato talked about that. He said democracy always leads to a communistic system which leads to dictatorship. And, and this was tried so many times over and over in ancient times and, and the reason they keep doing it today is because they know where they're going and they want to go through these stages uh, through chaos etc to ultimately you have a new king of the world and that's what really what their goal is there will be one day they hope to put their own man in there as king of the first king of the entire planet in the protocols they refer to it as the King Despot of the Blood of Zion. Well, they can call it whatever they want, you know. And they also refer to it as the Pope of the World. Same thing. Because all the religions, and this is the problem, people are trapped in their cultural religions that they're born into. And because of that, they follow the guys at the top. The guys at the top of all the religions are part of the same religion, an inner esoteric religion and I don't care what you belong to if you're following a mainstream religion and even the new age religions the ones at the top are all part of a top esoteric elite you always lead the people through cultural religions didn't you say that the base of that word is ligio or ligio it's high you bind them to bind and, and religion means yeah. to rebind that's right religions are man made they're man made yeah <laughs> but you didn't acknowledge that statement that we were talking about, that I was talking about. Remember when you said that, Alan? What was that? Well, when you said that the, the real controllers mm -hmm. know yeah. that there is a power within us. And they don't want us to know it. That's why we've got religions. And it's also why we have a Sovietized uh, system where the, the average individual, whether he knows it or not, is a subconscious thing. He's been trained that you're just, uh, through science, by the way, science is the technique that the Soviets used all along. Uh, and again, it's fake science. Uh, they train us to believe it's all true. But they tell you you're just a blob of protoplasm that happens to exist, and it's all by chance. Right. And so you're nothing special about you, and every function that you have and every drive you have is programmed into you by your DNA and your genes until you say, well, geez, I'm just a walking cesspool of chemicals here. And that's what you think of yourself. It's time you reclaimed your own personal um, sovereignty as an individual, unique being, you see? Uh, and, and, uh, and once you come to that understanding, uh, my God, you find I have a voice and it matters. It matters what you think. And stop being a little blob of protoplasmic jelly. There's more to an individual than that. And, and they're well aware that a thought uh, that, that, that really is thought out in a deep sense is transmitted across the planet uh, as, as soon as it is, is put out there, as soon as it comes into being. And the ancients called that thought forms, of course. Um, the Greeks knew all about this. They were trained by the Egyptians. And, uh, and they use it. Forms, you know. Remember you told us about that yeah. triangle they had set up? Yeah, the, the higher black lodges, uh, they call them. Yeah, and they're sending out particular, mm -hmm. uh, what, frequencies or messages or... They force their will upon those within uh -huh. the, the triangle, yeah. In other words, the three points in, in a state, north, uh, uh, south, uh, and west, and they force their will upon those within. Uh, that's one of their uh, higher rituals. 
And so, but it's like it's like getting us to speak their language, Alan. It's almost like uh, yeah, almost like hypnotic tapes played in your sleep, you know. Yeah, but but it's like you know they give us the language, uh-huh. and they've got all these. Uh, symbolic meanings, these esoteric meanings of words and the language, and yet we speak it. It is, is in a sense, we are unknowingly speaking their plan. Your whole language, the whole English language is encoded to bring this about. I'll I'll give you one simple little quick example here. Uh, Everyone's been trained by Hollywood. Uh, do you remember when that uh, that Moore spoke out about 9/11 on on an Oscar night? I think it was, or some some big night. Oh, Michael Moore. Remember that night he first spoke about that. Yeah. Stage? And it's in the same award uh, show, I think it was the actress. Uh, her name is Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. And she said, "We, the culture creators," she said, "We, the culture creators." must say to speak out about this. Now that that's a direct translation that was always used wow. in the Soviet Union. Because in the Soviet Union they knew that we emulate what we see. We think we're being entertained here, we're not, we're being programmed. Right, but getting Hollywood's function is to create the next step of the next part of the culture. Okay. And, and so in other words, there are so many techniques now the movies uh, industry used to be called quite commonly the cinema and the cinema if you speak it in a phonetic sense backwards is simply Ammon is Ammon the god Ammon you see Ammon is yeah and that's the single eye of Ra or Lucifer and that's the projection that comes out of the back of the hall okay let me ask you a question yeah because this came into my mind Monday night uh-huh. Remember when you were talking about 911? Yeah. And you said that 911, uh, 9/11 is a very uh, important yeah. date to them, esoterically, symbolically. Mm-hmm. Well, it occurred to me when you said that mm-hmm. that we all call it 911. Yeah. They gave it to us. I mean, we have 911 as our emergency number. Exactly. Now we have 911, uh-huh. the Holocaust at the World Trade Center. That's right. It's also, it's also uh, chapter 9, verse 11 of Revelations, where the beast from the bottomless pit, the beast of war, is unleashed. Okay. What a coincidence. So what here's the thought I had. Yeah. What if we quit using 911? Mm-hmm. And I, it might only be 10 of us. But in other words, we, we keep saying 911, 911, 911, giving power to that very important date to them. I know. Okay, what if we just call it something else? Call it the Holocaust of the World Trade Center. Uh, oh, it, no, no, you got to be even careful there. Because a Holocaust is a deliberate sacrifice. For, for Wasn't that a deliberate sacrifice? For, for something to be given in return. The World Trade Center, wasn't it a deliberate sacrifice? If, if you understand what you're saying it is. Yeah. But, but for most people, they, they don't realize that it's the halo, the sun. It, it's cast into the sun. It's a burnt offering. Okay, so we so we just say, say the World Trade Center. Yeah, the tragedy. But my point is, mm-hmm. it's sort of like calling our children kids. I know goats. Uh-huh. Oh, I know, but beyond just a baby goat, uh-huh. goat of Mendes is the is the universal symbol of Satan. Yeah, so when yeah, we call our children kids, that's right. And, and of course, that's what the communists also said. Uh, Beria said it back in the 1930s. The binaural linguistics, which is the alteration of the meanings of words yeah. and the substitution of words, we shall we shall demean the human being to a lower level. So 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 we call our children the spawn of Satan when we refer to them as kids. Well, apart from that, you're, they're, you're, what you're doing is put them into non-human categories. Yeah. Okay. So we stop doing that. Yeah. Uh, enough people, at least I quit doing it. Yeah. And I know other people, have, when they find out about it, mm-hmm. it, it, it enraged me, Alan. Yeah. Yeah. But, okay, so what I'm saying is, uh, just on this one particular thing, let's quit calling it 911. Yeah. Let's quit playing their game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should. Uh, but again, the whole darned English language is so multi-encoded. I know, but at least it's and, not 911. Until people can think above the language that they've been trained into, 
you see, there, there's more to language than, than just, and you know it too, we see symbology everywhere. And this symbology, your, your subconscious, actually it's really the, 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 the sea of the unconscious, which recognizes it. And you can be programmed just as easily through symbology, which they do all the time. We're getting flashed with symbols on TV and ads and, and magazines and, and logos. And so, uh, but there's, there's a much higher form of natural symbology too within nature. And that is where the, the true meditation comes in. That's when your mind is flowing freely and it gets above your conditioning. Uh, instead of meditating yourself into a stupor, you're supposed to meditate yourself into awakefulness. That's the real form of it. And that means that all your faculties are working because you have more senses, you see, to use, which we, most folk don't use at all. Well, uh, one thing, <laughs> we have to have quiet time to do that. And, it, and for people who live in cities, oh, yeah. it has to be a very intentional thing. And I do know that because I was in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, we were in the burbs, but they still had traffic and children and stuff like that. Yeah. So you find a quiet place, but you, you like, for example, where you live, where I live, mm-hmm. huh, it's quiet. Mm-hmm. And you can hear it. You can hear the birds. You can hear the little peepers at night. You can, you can hear the leaves rustle on the trees. It's so quiet at night, I can listen to my Ford truck rusting. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's what... See, so some of us are in that place where it's easy, mm-hmm. but for people who are in densely populated areas, it isn't impossible. But you don't put headsets on when you go jogging. Yeah. If you're getting, I mean, give yourself some time. Like you said, allow those thoughts. If, if you're in your car, turn the radio off. Mm-hmm. Use it for some quiet time. And it's amazing the thoughts that will start rolling through your mind, Alan. I know. Even revelation-type things. Mm-hmm. You see, children do it naturally. They go into to a natural meditative state. If you ever watch them um, around the age of uh, three, four, five, sometimes their, their, their jaw just hangs open and they're staring at something and they're far, far away. But they're in a natural meditative state. That is trained out of us through the school system. We were taught, you know, what are you doing? Daydreaming. Get back here and, you know, pay attention. Well, they're destroying a natural meditative state that the people uh, used to have right through their entire lives. And it goes even for us, I mean, who are in the country, uh-huh. at the quiet, you put on a television, put on a radio, uh-huh. you have shattered the silence. Shattered it, and also the public have been trained to get up in the morning to the radio. I know it. And then, then all day at work, sometimes in factories they blare music, uh, and shopping malls and, and, and... Oh my God, everywhere, the elevator, it doesn't matter where you are. And, and then you're getting, I don't know if people realize that you've got all these subliminal messages, there's just companies that sell, this is standard, this is not conspiracy here. Uh, all, all those little, happy little G songs you hear in the elevator or in stores have programming in there. Yeah. Uh, to d- don't steal or, or buy, 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 like the movie they live, which everybody should get and watch. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> Uh, and also, so and then they get back at night from work. They're, they're 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 tired. They put their feet up. They watch the TV. In other words, professional people whose job it is to give you uh, downloading uh, hey. are putting thoughts into your head all day long. You know, it just came into my mind when you were talking about coming home from work tired. Uh-huh. Put your feet up and turn the television on. Uh-huh. In my mind. I saw a family together without a television on, uh-huh. and, and that can be. Families can be together without televisions, without radios. They can talk with one another. They can communicate. They can listen. And and you know maybe that what I'm in my mind. What I'm talking about is the way we be every single day, as much as we can possibly be, as close as we can to walk that walk and I don't care how tired a parent is if the children have been without the parents all day they need each other mm-hmm. and I guess uh, that's and the, the problem is again you see the cycle has been I'm talking about people who are listening to this broadcast right now 
Mm. I'm talking... Your families, you mean, yeah? Four. Two. Yes. Yeah, and, and what I'm saying, though... See, this would be fine if you could nip something in the bud before it starts. And all you need is one generation to to take it for granted that the state is bringing up your children. And they do subconsciously. They never mention it vocally. But the state has taken over the conditioning long ago of their children. children. Until they're a state now of socialism. And they don't realize this either. They expect the government should support their children and take care of them in nursery schools and daycare. And you know, it's amazing if we give children a chance what they really, really, really respond to. And I know because I've experienced it when the grandchildren come in the summertime and they come out of the city, they, they go to bed at night listening to the radios, they each have their own individual little uh, players with little headsets. When they come here, Alan, uh, we'll put the TV on to watch movie, but it isn't like they're... We don't wake up in the morning and turn a television on. I talked to them about the dangers of going to sleep with the radio on. I didn't get hassles from them. When I told the children, and Ashley was 12 at the time, so Amber would have been 7 or 9, whatever, Brandon, they were 12 and under. And I thought that they might think, oh, gee, she's being so silly. But I just simply told them that it, it occurred to me that when we call our children kids, that we're calling them baby goats. And I said, you are not baby goats. You are children. You are young people. I'm not calling you kids anymore. And I thought they might kind of laugh at me, but they didn't. And when I said, if I, because it sounds kind of formal to me, you know, children. <laughs> it was hard for me at first, Alan. And I didn't slip many times, but I said, if I slip, just remind me. We're not baby goats. And Alan, I slipped a few times. Every time I did, in unison, that's what they said. We're not baby goats, Mama. Yeah. And they and we went outside. We did the garden. One day they were going out. They were shelling peas or something. Amber came in to gather up their little headset radios. And I said, what are you doing, babe? Oh, we're going to... I said, oh, no. I said, just leave the radios in here and just listen to the birds out there. She said, okay. And I heard her tell me, <laughs> Mama says, forget the radios and listen to the birds. But she they, In other words, Alan, they respond. Mm -hmm. They do respond. Yeah. But, but, but they need an adult who, who, who cares enough to step in there and make the change for them. And I know when they go back home, they go back into it. Uh -huh. But they, when they get their summers here, it's a different experience. All well, I'm it, saying you is, remember that the, it isn't impossible. It's not impossible, and you've got to realize that, that uh, something that all dictators down through the thousands of years have known, because this is a science. Everything is based on science and knowledge. Children want to be guided. Yes. They really do. You know, we've, we've been trained in the, since the 60s especially, in the 50s and 60s and 70s. The children are, are rebellious and they don't want guidance. And that's Thanks to Dr. Spock. Because, because if you go back even to, to the, the young communist party where they want to divide the young from the old because the old are contaminated with their old thoughts, you see, and, uh, and, and then they brought the children up by the state. Uh, the same techniques are applied here in a more a clever, a more you know, subdued fashion but very effective. And, and, and all the great dictators know that when they want to take over a, a country or a world, they always go for the young. And that's why you had the communist youth, the Hitler youth, and every other youth movement that's run by the guys at the top. And even the New Age movement, to an extent, that bypassed the parents and grabbed the children. And, and this is all intentional. It's the same techniques over and over again because they never fail. Children actually want guidance. And they want guidance from someone that will spend time with them. Exactly. You see? Exactly. And as an actual, real living person who will listen to what they say. Yes. Mm -hmm. And that's why I, I had this picture in my mind. You know, parents coming home, put their feet up on the stool and say, Well, how'd your day go, children? Mm -hmm. What'd you do today? And talk. Yeah. And have dinner together. Yeah. And talk around the table and laugh and have fun together. Mm -hmm. And you know what else I found out about them? 
they love to hear stories about us when we were young. Sure. Uh-huh. And, and when I get when I get going, they'll say, "Tell us another one, Momo. Tell us a, tell us another one." I, I, you know, sometimes your thoughts just pop out, and you tell them something, and they get a big kick out of it, and they'll just sit and 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 they eat it up. Yeah. And that's what, what um, you uh, uh, yeah. Maybe maybe if somebody says, "What can I do?" Mm-hmm. Maybe that right there is the important thing in the whole world is the way we be with one another yeah. the way we be with our uh, our friends our spouses our loved ones or anybody but especially family keep it together it's continuity continuity uh, yeah and have that generations and have a family be a haven Mm-hmm. For each and every individual in that family, they all have their little life they go about, and the one safe place there, at least for the children growing up, is there. Because m- mom and dad are there, or maybe mom or maybe dad. If it's only one parent, then you got to do it for both. Yeah, you remember what Maurice Strong said at the Air Summit, and he was on the that, that Air Summit was made up by one of the Rockefellers actually, and Maurice Strong just presented it. And that affects the whole world. Once again, this big NGO organization, unelected, making our, our world the, the plans for us. And uh, Maurice Strong said uh, that the last vestige of the family must be destroyed. And that's the old communist regime again, because... There you go. Because the continuity between generations was their big enemy, because a small family is representative of a tribe. Yeah, okay. And they destroyed the tribe long ago. When, when, when there's no family that will stand up together, then the government is your direct master uh, to the individual. Your big brother who loves you. That's right, and you have nobody to, to turn around to help you. And that's what I've always known. We have one minute left to go here tonight. Yeah. Well, people have to get their, themselves into gear, and they have to realize it's coming on fast. And they've got to start to be honest with themselves. And once that happens, you'd be amazed what happens yes. within those around you, and even at great distances, too. At great distances. You know what? I'd like to talk more about that maybe next Wednesday night when you were talking about a thought. We talked about this once before, and it is so exciting. To, and I'd like to revisit that maybe next Wednesday night, okay? Sure. Thank you. And uh, folks, uh, remember that Alan's website is cuttingthroughthematrix.com. If you haven't seen the video, uh, what was it called? A, a reality. Was it a reality check? No. Yep, watch it, folks. And there's lots of uh, of Alan's broadcasts on there, too. And, of course, SweetLiberty.org. 